All right, well, if you uh, have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll read a passage of Scripture that I read a few weeks ago as we uh, celebrate Independence Day. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're beginning reading at verse 9, but let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful we are for this opportunity to gather together in freedom, to celebrate you and lift up the name of Jesus Christ, and that we don't have to fear um, any repercussions that we are gathered here today. We remember on this day, O God, your blessings upon us, and we remember our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have this kind of freedom. We ask, God, that you would protect them, that you would keep them, that you would strengthen their faith. Our brothers and sisters around the world that are persecuted on a daily basis because they have decided to take a stand for Jesus Christ. Lord, protect them, comfort them, give them strength, O Lord, as they stay detached from this world and connected to your kingdom. And now, Lord, as we spend time in your word today, we ask that you would open up our understanding and comprehension, that, Lord, we may apply and live out your word in a world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9, which is a very familiar scripture for most of us who've been around church for a while. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation." Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors and to them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Uh, I want to share a message this morning I've entitled, A Nation Within a Nation. Um, Only in the United States of America do we celebrate by blowing things up, right? Uh, This is uh, Independence Day, or like I like to call it, you know, Happy Hot Dog Explosion Day, right? Um, How many of you like hot dogs? All right. How many of you are communists? If you don't like hot dogs, that's the only other option. Just kidding. Just kidding. Some of you are like, I don't eat hot dogs. I'm too healthy for hot dogs. <laughs> and you're a communist. All right. um, according to the American Pyrotechnics Association, around 15,000 fireworks displays will take place on the 4th of July holiday, even if they're not necessarily on July 4th. Although pricing varies, most small towns spend anywhere from $8,000 to $15,000 for a fireworks display, with larger cities going into the millions, like the Boston Pops Fireworks Spectacular, which spends $2.5 million on fireworks. An estimated, during this holiday season, an estimated 150,000 hot dogs will be eaten during this holiday. Amen. I think Dad eats a third of those, so that's about the other 100,000 are eaten by somebody else. I love Fourth of July. I love, I, love, I love what it represents. We celebrate today the, the formation of the United States of America, 
Um, we are the only country, and I, I mentioned, I want to remind you of this every year. We're the only country in the world to celebrate our Independence Day, not based upon a war we have won or a battle that was fought, but simply because a signed document says we are. We celebrate our independence because they basically sat down and signed a document that said King George was a chowderhead and we are free. And because of that, we were free. The Declaration of Independence was actually completed on July 2nd, which happens to be Avery's birthday. Uh, But the first signatures were placed on it on July 4th, including John Hancock's. Uh, Some people believe that John Hancock signed it so big because he wanted King George to read it. But John Hancock didn't realize that there were going to be 56 other signers, so he just signed it real big. With all of its flaws, and we have very many, I mean, there's no reason for us to sit around and be all naive and and act like that the United States of America is perfect. We have a history of injustice and oppression. We have a, a history that in many cases we have to look back and be ashamed of. But with all of the flaws of the United States of America, it is still one of the greatest countries to ever exist. And and to not recognize that is just to not recognize that it's because you've never lived anyplace else. We should be thankful today for the freedoms and liberties that we have. And we should never take them for granted. I mean, we do have to recognize that uh, lots of times when we sit back quietly and just watch uh, as, as liberties and, and freedoms get taken away, we take, we take that for granted. And I know lots of times as Christians we cry and whine about religious liberty and they're being stripped from us. And, and it's not just that Christians are whining about it. Once you take away a religious freedom, you're taking away all freedoms. And so we have to recognize that when people stand for these types of things, it's not just because we're whining, it's a warning. It's a warning to not take for granted the liberties that we have. And we should honor those who paid the price to secure those liberties. There are many who have shed blood that went to war, that laid their lives down uh, as a result. And because of that, we are here today to be able to celebrate this freedom. Looking over the past 245 years, 240 Five years. America, of course, now is a a global superpower, one of the wealthiest nations on earth. Uh, It's hard for us as Americans to get a sense of how unlikely, humanly speaking, how unlikely it was that 13 united colonies of America defeated Great Britain in a war and survived as an independent nation. It's hard for us to recognize the sacrifice and the risks that our founding fathers and those who fought in the military to birth a nation that was under the rule of the most powerful empire in the world. The the founding fathers and those who signed the Declaration of Independence literally put their name on the line, and they knew that when they signed it, they had put themselves in the crosshairs of the most powerful nation on earth. They offered up their wealth, their property, their sacred honor for the founding of this nation, knowing that it could easily lead to imprisonment and more likely that they would be hanged for treason. And I believe that the United States of America is a sovereign plan of God. That God has directed the course of all nations and all empires, and that he has used this nation as a blessing for the world. We have a lot to be grateful for as we celebrate the birth of America. We have a lot to honor and to be excited about. And so it's good to ooh and ah 
at the fireworks. As we consider the unlikelihood of the birth of such an amazing nation. But we as Christians know that our independence goes so much deeper than the birth of our fatherland. True freedom is the freedom from sin. Freedom from our own sinful tendencies and desires that lead to destruction and and separation from God. Make Make no mistake about it. No matter how long we think that we get away with our sin, it will kill us. We know that the greatest sacrifice is that of the cross. We know that freedom has never been free. But the offer of salvation is free because it was paid for in advance. We celebrate the freedom of our nation, but we know as Christians that this is only a temporary celebration. This earth is transitory. This earth is temporary. Kings and kingdoms rise and fall throughout history. But the kingdom of God is one that is unshakable, unending, and unchanging. And as much as I love Independence Day, we must always remember as kingdom people where our true allegiance always lies. We have to remember on a day like today as we celebrate the United States, and I am one of the most patriotic people in the world. I love our country. I love how it feels when when I watch the Olympics. How many of you like watching the Olympics? You get into the Olympics, you just wish you could like fly to France and talk junk. But we always remember that even though I live in the United States of America, I am a part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I am a purchased person by the blood of Jesus Christ, that I belong to a nation within a nation, that I belong to a kingdom within a kingdom. We are citizens of the United States, but our ultimate citizenship lies in the kingdom of heaven. Now, during, during this holiday season, flags will fly, and they're all over the place. I love our flag. I think it's one of those beautiful flags in the world. But the flag is not the cross. The flag is not the cross, and the United States of America is not the kingdom of God. And we have to to remember that. Our hearts should ultimately be tied to our allegiance to King Jesus and His kingdom. Which Which means as much as our hearts are tied together by a common American heritage, and even a common state or city, Heritage. You know, those, you Boone County people, you just, you know each other. You're Boone County people. Right? Amen. Amen. Anytime you talk to somebody, where are you from? Boone County. There's not a town in Boone County. There's not a single town in Boone County. You hear a caller on the radio, where are you calling from? Boone County. That's a big county. Which I understand. I mean, if somebody says, where are you calling from? Petona. Not everybody knows where that is. Costa. thought that was, yeah. Where are you calling from, right? That's kind of normal, though, for like the whole southern part of the state. You know, Mingo County, right? Logan County. That's where I'm from, Logan. Where are you from, Logan? Like the whole city of Logan covers Logan County. Logan. I mean, we do it even when we go out of state, right? Where are you from? West Virginia, right? Where, where do you live? Charleston area, right? I remember, remember when we were in Cincinnati and Terry Russell's car wouldn't start? We were in Cincinnati. We were going to Kings Island. Terry Russell's Trans Am wouldn't start. They had, to call, they had to call the wrecker. The wrecker comes up and asks, where are you from? 
And he said, Marmette. I said, Terry, we're in Cincinnati, Ohio. People that live in Charleston don't know where Marmette is. I can guarantee you that people in Cincinnati don't know where Marmette is. Marmette. I mean, he didn't even say West Virginia. Marmette. Oh, Marmette. Oh, okay. M-A-R-M-E-T. Go Marmette. I've been there. Right? Even when I was in Destin, we were in Destin a couple weeks ago. I come walking out on the beach with my West Virginia hat, couple of umbrellas down. What do I hear? Let's go! How do I respond? Mountaineers! Bunch of goofy West Virginians out on the Florida beach. They're all like, no wonder the place has gone to hell. We love our nation, we love our state, we love where we come from, we have this common heritage, we're connected in certain ways because of that, we're tied together. But we recognize that as the people of God, we recognize that as a kingdom within a kingdom, that we are tied even deeper to brothers and sisters in Christ, in all nations, in all kingdoms, all over the world. We are tied by the blood of Jesus Christ that goes deeper than any other tie that we have in this world. As I prayed at the beginning of this uh, at the beginning of, of, our, of, of, of this message, I think what we need to remember, even as we celebrate the freedoms that we have in this country, that we should always remember our brothers and sisters throughout the world who don't have this kind of freedom. that are facing persecution every day. We have Christians in Nigeria that are being slaughtered by Boko Haram on a daily basis. And we take for granted many times as the people of God the freedoms that we have. And today as we celebrate the fact that I believe God sovereignly planned the nation of America and sovereignly planned the freedom of this country. Let us not forget to bow our heads and pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are a nation within a nation, a kingdom within a kingdom, who are citizens of another place who need God's protection and hope in the world that we live in. And why are they able to live like this? Why do we have brothers and sisters throughout the world that live under a tyrannical rule? But they live even freer lives than those who live in the United States of America. Why? Because they know what country they belong to. We belong to a place other than temporary earthly kingdoms. We are looking, the Bible says, for a city whose builder and maker is God. And because of that, we need to consistently remind ourselves that we are kingdom people. That we are a nation within a nation. And that we have different responsibilities. And we have different priorities as the people of God within the celebration of the freedom of our country. And so I ask this morning, because it's, I, I, I'm always actually reluctant to intertwine like America with, with gospel. Because the gospel is not America and America is not gospel. The gospel is the message of the cross. It's always why sometimes I have a little bit of an issue as we, you know, we, we show pictures of, like, the cross with the background of a flag and F-14s flying over top of it. I'm like, why are we bombing the cross? I don't understand. What are we doing? Uh, there, there is a difference. I understand that. I celebrate our country, but I recognize that as the people of God, I've got different responsibilities and different priorities. As I look at the history of our nation, what was it that drove our national founders to seek independence? What was the big idea behind the United States? And I think it's captured in the first sentence of paragraph 2 of the Declaration that we all know. 
We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is among one of the greatest sentences ever written of what a government exists to do, which is to preserve and protect. In all of history, it is truly a revolutionary statement that every human being has God-given rights to live, to be free, and to pursue their own happiness. It is so powerful that to this day, it should be the principles that fuel us to continue to expand these biblical ideas for generations to come. America has not always lived up to these ideals. 400 years of demonic-inspired slavery proved that we did not live up to these ideals. But they are still the ideals that promote individual freedom. And we have a lot of work to do in our country to recognize the evils of our past. And we support these God-given rights as a motivation to continue to fight for justice, to fight for truth in the world that we live in. But where do these truths come from? Sure, they come from democratic philosophies of Greece and Rome. Most definitely, they were influenced by those. But they are rooted in Judeo-Christian values. They are rooted in the Bible itself. America, I don't believe, was founded solely as a Christian nation. I know that there's been arguments over that, that the United States is a Christian nation. I don't necessarily believe the United States has ever been a Christian nation. We have to get out of our minds that the United States is not Israel. We're not Israel. I do believe we were blessed by God. But I don't believe that we were necessarily founded solely as a Christian nation. But to deny the moral and philosophical compass supplied by Christianity is to deny history itself. To sit around and act like that the founding of this nation was not influenced heavily by Judeo-Christian values and by the Scripture itself is just simply to be antagonistic against the Bible. We just don't want to admit our own history. And no matter how we look at it, people are always borrowing from the ideas of God to find freedom. To find freedom. Where do these truths come from? They come straight from this. Where did this statement, we hold these truths to be self-evident? Just look at this whole statement. Truths. We hold these truths that they are self-evident. What, do these, what does that mean? That means that these truths exist whether you believe they're true or not. It means that these truths are rooted in some type of absolutism. They are rooted in some type of moral reality. They are rooted in something unchanging. Whether your opinion agrees with it, whether cultural trends agree with it, these truths are self-evident. They are rooted in something beyond my opinion, my idea of truth. It's your truth and it's my truth. If you have your truth and my truth, there is no truth. These truths are self-evident. Evident. They are rooted in absolutes. They have to be rooted in something beyond my own opinion of what truth is. Which means they are rooted in the truth of God Himself. What do they say? These are self-evident. And that it's by whom? By whom? Where do these rights come from? Do they come from government? Were they created by government? No. They come from our Creator. 
These are self-evident truths and self-evident rights that are not rooted in man-made rules, laws, or philosophies. They come from the fact that there is a creator. It was the Bible that gave our founding fathers their belief in an all-powerful, sovereign God of providence from whom all freedom flows. That because of the existence of this God, this creator, now I understand, even Thomas Jefferson himself was a deist. Thomas Jefferson had his own Bible, known as the Jefferson Bible. Within it were all the teachings of Jesus. What he took out of it were all the miracles and the supernatural things. Because he didn't believe in miracles. He didn't believe in the supernatural. But he enjoyed the teachings of Jesus. So that's the Jefferson Bible. So I understand that there were, many of our founding fathers had an uncertain view of whom God was. But they recognized, and this was rooted not in Greek philosophy. This was rooted in scriptural, biblical thought. That there is a divine God over the course of human history that knows the end from the beginning. That nations rise and fall at his permission and because he has said so. All men, they say, all men are created equal. It was within Scripture that the founding fathers see the strong emphasis on individuals and their personal freedoms. All men, not just some, are created equal. All men, no matter where they come from, no matter what their skin color is, no matter what their background is, no matter who they are or where they are, all men are created equal. Why? Because they are creations of a God who has declared that all of us stand before Him as one. All men are created equal, endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, and among these are life. Life is God's idea. I don't know if you know that or not. But life exists because God said so. It is biblical Christianity that put intrinsic value on life. That people are valuable simply by existence. They are valuable simply because they exist. And this should be the rooting out of all racism, elitism, and this should end the argument on abortion. All life exists. It's valuable simply by existence. Life, liberty, this is the message of redemption. The message of redemption is that liberty is the right for all who will believe. That no matter what tyranny or control you live under, freedom is not a physical position. Freedom is a spiritual reality. It is a spiritual reality. So whether we get up in the United States of America every day, make our coffee, and drive to work on roads that we're mad at, right? We're always complaining about something, right? Somebody needs to fix these potholes. Why are they shutting lanes down? Because they're fixing the potholes you complained about back in the winter. Right? We're never happy, are we? Fix the potholes, but just don't close the road down. Well, they're supposed to build bridges over them as they work? Right? We're all in a hurry. As we drink our coffee and drive around, we celebrate our freedom. But there are people that get up every day that's longing for a page of the Bible. Living under tyranny, living under government control, but yet they're smiling and rejoicing because why? Freedom is something that they know on the inside. Liberty is something we have on the inside. 
and even the pursuit of happiness. The Bible tells us that it is the glory of God that we find our greatest joy in Him. Now, I understand there's a difference between joy and happiness, and most of the time when they say the pursuit of, of happiness, for a matter of fact, when Jefferson, the first draft of the Declaration of Independence, he put the pursuit of property um, and was changed to the pursuit of happiness. For a matter of fact, they actually uh, shortened the Declaration of Independence by like 50-some words, and they actually took out a section of the Declaration of Independence that actually spoke out against the slave trade in Great Britain. But underneath this pursuit of happiness in the world that we live in, we see the pursuit of happiness as when, what, how can I get more stuff? But it, was, it, it is the biblical notion that the greatest joy or the greatest fulfillment that we have in life is knowing God. Anything that stands in the way of that pursuit of freedom is tyranny. Anything that stands in the way of that pursuit is tyranny. And so as a nation within a nation, we can look back over our country and we recognize the influence that the Word of God, that Scripture, that faith has had upon our nation. But as the people of God, we also have to recognize that our nation is truly only going to be changed from the inside out. Listen, folks, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm a voter. I vote. I keep track. I, I read about politics, although there's many times I have to take a break. Some of us live too much on social media, especially Twitter. Twitter can be a garbage heap if you follow the wrong people and read the wrong stuff. And TikTok, dear Lord, you have to be careful what you see on TikTok. But I, I understand. I am all, but I have grown weary of people putting hope in political parties. Political parties. If we don't recognize that our only hope for America is the gospel and the kingdom of God, then we are at its core hopeless. So what are our responsibilities as a nation within a nation? Four things here today I want you to consider really quickly as we celebrate our independence. Number one, we pray for our country. First Timothy chapter 2, which is a fairly popular passage anytime we talk about this. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, all supplications... Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. The Bible commands us to pray for our country, to pray for our leaders. Church, we have, if anybody recognizes it, it all begins with prayer, it all ends with prayer. If we are not praying for our nation, if we're not praying for those in leadership, if we're not praying for those who are trying to lead this country, there is no hope. When God's people pray, things change. When God's people pray, the Bible tells me that, that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It availeth much. It has access to extraordinary supernatural power. You may think that you sitting on your couch at home just praying for your nation means nothing. But you are literally shaking the foundations of hell every time you lift up in prayer our nation, our leaders, and our country. Do not ever underestimate the power of prayer or the lack thereof. Do not ever underestimate the glory that can happen if just a few people decide to pray. Number two, we live righteously. Through this entire passage of Scripture, Peter is actually telling us how we're supposed to, to live. I used this passage of Scripture a few weeks ago when I, when I 
preached on what do they see. And the whole point is, is that Peter's saying, when they see your good works, they may speak evil of you simply because you wear the label of Christian, but once they see you doing good works, they have nothing to say. And it tells us here that as we are free, we don't use our cloak, we don't use our liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, but we live as servants of God. We honor men, we love the brotherhood, we fear God, we honor the king. That we are supposed to submit ourselves to the ordinance of our government, whether it be king as supreme or by governors. In other words, when we live righteously, we are good citizens when we are true Christians. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. When we live as real Christians in this world, even though we are a part, we live as real Christians in this world because we're a part of a different kingdom. But the best thing we can do for our nation is to live righteously. To live righteous lives. It's the best thing we can do for our family. It's the best thing we can do for our friends. Is to live righteously for the kingdom of God. When we live righteously, we affect our nation. When we live out what it truly means to be Christians, then we are bringing God's blessing upon our nation. So what do we do? We live righteously. Number three. We stand for truth. What truth? These self-evident truths. These self-evident truths that must continually be defended. To act like that we can just sit around and everybody is going to accept these self-evident truths that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Rights that cannot be, if they are given by God, they cannot be taken away by anyone other than God. They are, un, they are rights that have been given to us that are truths that are self-evident that each one of us need to stand for and believe in. The church should be the loudest when it comes to fighting against sin, against the lies of tyranny, against the lies of racism, against the lies of elitism. We should be the loudest voices on planet Earth when it comes to standing against injustice and oppression. We should be those who are standing for life and freedom and hope, as well as personal responsibility. That we need to be personally responsible for who we are instead of blaming everyone else or relying on the government to take care of us. We should recognize that each one of us have a personal responsibility to be who we've been called to be. These are self-evident truths that we need to stand on. And obviously, as the people of God, we stand upon the truth of the Word. Our nation can deny the influence of the Word of God in the formation of this country, but we recognize as Christians that the hope of our nation is a life lived righteously and a life that stands for the truth of God's Word. That all men will be considered intrinsically valuable because we stand upon the truth of God's Word. And that the Gospel says that it doesn't matter who you are, if you will believe, you can become a child of the kingdom of God. And finally, number four, what do we do as a nation within a nation? We do the simple thing of loving other people. Man, it really all does come back to this. It starts, obviously, it all is wrapped up in prayer. But it has to come back to a life lived in love. It has to come back as a life lived in 
service because as we do this, we bring honor to God. We bring honor to God because we have been chosen. We have been anointed as a priesthood. We've been anointed as a holy nation, as a peculiar, peculiar people to show forth the praises of Him. Amen. How do we show forth the praises of Him? We love people. We serve We let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We share our faith. We witness. We pray for others. We serve as kingdom people. We are people who had no mercy but have now obtained mercy. And now we give mercy away. We are mercy dealers, compassion dealers. We are giving away mercy. We are giving away compassion for free. You don't have to do anything to get it, right? For free. There are a lot of simple things in life that we take for granted, don't we? That are just free. I just get to watch my kids drive me nuts for free. And it's wonderful. Right? Like Jim Gaffigan joking about escalators. It's like, you ever have those people that walk up the escalator behind you? What's wrong with you, man? This is one of the good things in life. You just got to stand here. It's free. You don't need a ticket. There's so many beautiful things about life that we recognize that are ours simply because they're God-given. And we want to give away God's love, give away God's compassion, give away God's mercy because we love and we serve to glorify God. How? Having your conversation Honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may buy your good works, which they shall behold, which they shall see. Glorify God in the day of visitation. That as we do this, as free people, we do not use our liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but we use our freedom as the servants of God. There's freedom in surrender. There is freedom in surrender. I remind you this day as we celebrate our nation, and I I pray that you do give thanks this day for the beauty of the United States, for the beauty of the freedom that we have, of the liberty that has been given us, that we will remind ourselves of where we've come from, that we would celebrate the good things, that we would repent of the evils of our past, but that we would move forward based upon those same ideals, those same ideals, that were given by our created, that all men are created equal. And that because of that, the gospel is preached to all men, and life comes to all who will believe. So as we pray, as we celebrate today, I I ask that you pray for our nation. I ask that that you live righteously. I I ask that you determine in in, in your heart that you're going to stand for the truth of God's word, and that you're going to be people who walk in love as servants of the kingdom of God because we are citizens of another place. Let us bring heaven to earth by the life that we live. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven through his church. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do not take lightly or grant, take for granted the freedoms that we have in this country. God, we bow our head in grateful praise, thankful, Lord, for your providence, for your sovereign plan that gave birth to all nations, that gave birth to this, these United States.
Thank you, Lord, that from the very founding of our country, even though we have not lived up to the thoughts and philosophies necessarily that were laid down at the beginning, that, God, you birthed the nation that the gospel could be preached from, that people around the world could be helped. And so we ask and pray that this day, that this day, you would heal our nation, that you would have mercy on the United States, that, God, you would bring a great awakening to our country, to every state, to every city, to every neighborhood. We ask for a spiritual awakening. But not just in our own country. Lord, we know there are no boundaries. There are no borders in your kingdom. God, protect your people around the world. Awaken hearts all over this globe. To those who live under tyranny and and governmental control. God, we pray for freedom. We pray for liberty. We pray the gospel would penetrate to the very heights of government. And that lives will be changed as a result. Speak to every heart in this room. We pray in Jesus' name. With our head bowed and our eyes closed today, I want to ask you this morning, are you really free? Are you really free? We live in the freest country on planet Earth. But there are some of you sitting in this sanctuary today that are in bondage. You're in bondage to sin. You're in bondage to separation from God. It's not a matter of being a good person. If it was a matter of being a good person, I I understand. I would say the majority of everyone in this room are good workers, good husbands, good mothers, good fathers, good wives, good children. It's not a matter of goodness. It's a matter of righteousness. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? Have you really known freedom? Only you can answer that question. There are some of you in here today that are in bondage to fear. You're in bondage to pain. You're in bondage to your past. You're in bondage to your own brokenness. You're in bondage to resentment. Unforgiveness. Today is a day of freedom. Every time we are in the house of God is a day of freedom. A day that you can bring your burdens to the Lord. And freedom can be yours. We're going to sing a worship song, and as we do this, if you're not free today, if you're not truly free, whether you're still in bondage to sin because you don't know Jesus, or whether you're a child of God but you're finding yourself in bondage to fear and doubt, uncertainty, resentment, your past, failure, today is your day to be free. I open this altar today For you to bring your cares, your troubles, your hurts, your sin to the feet of Jesus. Please don't leave this place without considering, are you 
really free.